Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Great Ship, the Space Show show. We're back. We're back. Um, There was an incident on the bridge, so sorry for the delays and all of this. Um, Everyone's fine, but (laughs) as you can see, I'm in a different uh, location. She's in a tent. I'm in a tent. It's oh, it is warm in here. I gotta say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, welcome back to the Space Show show, where I, your host, Lieutenant Rebecca Frost, uh, sit with noted Space Show fan Carrie Jackson, and we're talking about Star Trek: The Original Series. Uh, this episode, we're 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 only a few episodes into season two. So this week we are talking about the Doomsday Machine, Cat's Paw, Eye Mud, Metamorphosis, and Journey to Babel. Um, yeah. I, I get two good episodes, one meh, and two that really suck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for ver- for I, various reasons. I try really hard to pay attention because I have ADHD, so I'm kind of all over the place when I'm watching shows. And I try really super hard to pay attention to these shows when I'm watching them. And I can tell when an episode is a dud because I am just off on another planet, just not even caring about what's happening. Let me guess. The Changeling? Um... L- <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. Anyway, part of, uh, part of my, uh, I don't even remember. I can't even remember any good. If it's an episode I did not like, it's gone from my brain. There's you no deleted room it. it. Oh, I wish I could do that. Yeah, there's just no room for it. Up with in all here. my bad, with all my bad memories, I wish I could do that. <laughs> yeah, if I hate it, it's gone. I got <laughs> time to think about it. This uh, first episode, we're going to talk about the Doomsday Machine. The USS Enterprise encounters the wrecked USS Constellation and its distraught Commodore, who's determined to stop the giant planet-destroying robot ship that killed its crew. I have labeled this episode the Forbidden Fleshlight episode. Oh my, yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what the Doomsday Machine... I mean, when I was a kid, I thought it looked like a broken telescope, but... Uh... You know the kind that the kind that you could fold up. You know that a ship's yeah. captain would use. You know, but yeah. uh, this one I kind of enjoyed. Once you know, at first I was like, "Wow, what a what a boring episode." But the more I read about it as I was watching it, I was like, "Okay, this is actually really fascinating because um, it is intended to be like Space Moby Dick, right?" Yes, uh, yes. You have, a, you have a guy who's absolutely determined to kill this thing that has killed his crew. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, at and, and of, isn't it and isn't it a coincidence? Moby Dick, the the character that is the 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 crazed ship captain in this, his initials are MD. Oh, Matt Decker. Matt Decker. I, that's just I don't think they meant to do that. I just pulled that out right, <laughs> over, right over here. I pulled that out. No, but that's very clever. I didn't even think about that. Um, yeah, like like I said earlier, I was kind of into it but also kind of not into it the thing that um actually kind of forced me to pay attention was this bit of trivia that according to william winden the man who played matt decker he did not enjoy working on the show he said that william shatner and leonard nimoy were not getting along at the time so it made the set's atmosphere very tense he also said that he felt that the episode was silly so he purposefully (laughs) overacted oh that explains it because he is over the top of the over the top and it's not until many years later that he realized his character was a reference to captain ahab from herman melville's moby dick so mm-hmm. once I had read that, I was like, okay, now I can actually pay attention to the show and like see what's going on. And it was so interesting because Nimoy and Shatner never in the same room. Which, now see, uh, I didn't, I didn't notice that. Okay, yeah, I mean they are they are at the beginning, but the rest of the episode, um, Kirk is on the constellation and uh, Spock is on the Enterprise, and they're never the twain shall cross in this episode for the majority of it. Mm. Um, this is also the most effects-heavy episode of the second season. When the series was digitally remastered for its 2007 DVD release, the upgrade required nearly 200 new effects shots. And and I thank every special effects artist that did work on this because it made it a watchable show. The old effects are, it's repeated over and over. It's, it's you know, the ship coming toward the camera with the dramatic music da dun da dun da dun da dun you know <laughs> well, yeah. and there's some astounding visual shots in this episode too like i said i called the forbidden flashlight because it's just this 
long tube that tapers off at the end with a big flame mouth. And there's a lot of really cool shots of like the Enterprise or the Constellation in front of the big mouth, like mm -hmm. as it's entering the gates of hell, essentially. Um, and I just I thought it was I thought it was mm -hmm. pretty cool looking. Um, we don't ever learn what this thing's deal was, do we? We didn't. We know. We didn't know where it came from, who built it, whatever it was. It didn't matter. We just knew that it was destroying entire galaxies, and it had to be stopped. And that's all we cared about at that time. Now, since then, you know, there's always reimagining and all of that. And there is a theory. I don't know if it's official or not, but I kind of like it. Uh, that the Borg, perhaps, were involved in this somehow. Okay. And, and so there's that. Interesting. The, their first shape that they tested out that they did not like. Uh, maybe, <laughs> um, maybe. Uh, uh, but, some uh, notes? Yes, or, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say some notes that I took. Um, one, I hate seeing lifeless ships just floating along in space. It makes me really sad. Uh, and uh, I know that Commodore Matt Decker is overacting, you know, because I had read that he intentionally chose to overact. Loved every second of it. I thought oh, it was yeah. a fantastic choice. Um, and and uh, his maneuver there at the end, I call the Decker maneuver, like the Haldo maneuver, uh, mm -hmm. except it's bad and it didn't work, you know? <laughs> yeah, he, he, he kind of <laughs> didn't make it. Uh, but uh, now the thing about uh, Commodore Decker is, and I believe this is true, uh, if, 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 if some uh, Trekker wants to correct me on this, then please do so in the comments below. Uh, but, uh, in, uh, Star Trek, the motion picture, oh. we, we meet his son who is oh. in charge of the enterprise at the time before Kirk steps in and takes over, who is a model character for Riker, which comes oh. in the next generation. Exactly. <laughs> I I had an opportunity this last week to explain the timelines to my husband because oh. we were watching a lot of Lower Decks and mm -hmm. we got to the end of season one where Riker shows up and he's like, well, hold on a minute. What's Riker doing here? And I'm like, well, no, this is the time. This is the timeline. Like, this is where this is where the, the Cerritos is in the timeline. And he mm -hmm. was like, I thought, aren't they like thousands of years older? And I'm like, well, no. Like, we no. just watched that episode of Strange New Worlds where he said he's like 120 years from the future. And mm -hmm. it was kind of fun to just kind of explain the timeline to him. <laughs> did, his, did his eyes glaze over like my wife's do? Uh, <laughs> uh, she stopped listening. She just gets up and leaves. If well, I did. <laughs> Listen, I do it to him when he talks about work. He can do it to me when I talk about Star Trek. He can just kind of pretend to listen. Boom. I like that. All right. Speaking of pretending to care... Cat's paw. Oh, oh. <laughs> very, very alien visitors to our galaxy attempt to connect with human consciousness, but miss winding up tapping into the region's human nightmares instead. Potential for some really cool stuff here. And, and just wasted. Absolutely wasted. Uh, the Macbeth episode, as I like to call it. Um, now, I could be wrong, but I think that if you look on the internet for five worst episodes of the original series, this is there, I believe. Oh, and it... <sighs> Certainly it? in that bottom five, you know. Uh, yeah, the, this episode um, of communications to the ship hampered, of course, what else of is going to happen? Chekhov's hair is a disaster in the hair. <laughs> Um, another day, another man trying to play God. Uh, mm -hmm. but this time it's more of a woman trying to play God. Yes. Um, love it, the presence of a cat, you know. Always. But uh, also uh, another one of the uh, original series episodes where uh, if Kirk could only teach this woman how to love, she might be different. Oh, <laughs> and, and I, one of the notes I have that also comes up like a little bit later in the couple of episodes that we're going to talk about. I don't get why people want to be human so bad. Uh, or And I know be, <laughs> we humans create all of this artwork and media where we're like, wow, to be human sure is something, isn't it? Uh, you have all these feelings and emotions and it's so cool, huh? And aliens want to experience that. And I don't think they should. 
I think <laughs> humans are pretty fallible and maybe uh, kind of cranky babies all the time. And you don't want to be like that. <laughs> Here's the thing. If the show were not written by humans, maybe we'd get that episode. <laughs> Yeah, like but we're closest, so self-centered, you know. I know, and the closest we ever get is to seeing other aliens in their kind of cultural aspects too, or Vulcans and Klingons. And I mean, I'm very early on in all of my Star Trek, so I'm sure there's other aliens too. But oh yeah. Like the only thing we humans have is our dumb emotions, and that's what makes us so special. Well, and don't you want to be just like us? But I don't think you should be. But don't you understand that one of those emotions is love oh. <laughs> and she is the woman is like i love all these new sensations and i want to feel more of them well oh, yeah because she was because she was a little furry puppet thing uh Which so she i would love to see little pipe cleaner replicas of these little guys <laughs> oh we need we need action figures or little marionettes or something because they are just so um, that sound that they make at the end, the voices of the little creatures in the final scene are sounds made by newly hatched alligators calling for their mothers. Oh my, I did not isn't know that. that. Isn't that something? <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of, yeah, a lot of Kirk trying to seduce an irrational woman, of course. Um, yeah, but he didn't really mean it though. He was doing it to trick her. Seduction to tr of, for trickery. A lot of trickery happening in yeah. this next string of episodes. But um, with, here's the thing, though. Back to what you were saying about why do you want to be human. Here are these aliens. They had a device that could do anything. The transmuter. Anything. You could do anything with it. Okay. There's so much other cool stuff in space. <laughs> if you wanted to experience human life, you could have just done that. You could have joined the society as in the shape that you were in. Just bring the transmuter with you, and, and then you'd be fine. Go out and experience it. Actually, now that I think about it, this episode and the next two episodes are really an, another species capturing humans to learn more about humans. That is literally the next three string, like this episode and the next two. That's what this is, which is kind of crazy. Um, some... Tr some trivia I have okay. for this right. particular. The title of this episode, Cat's Paw, is a term that describes a person used by another as a dupe. As McCoy points out, Scott and Sula are used as cat's, paw cat's paws to lure more crewmen down. Mm -hmm. um, this woman also can't remember her name. Oh, Sylvia. It's Sylvia. So, I, yes. I remember because my middle name is Sylvain. And I'm ah. like, ah, that's <laughs> close enough. Um, and also, uh, I thought it was kind of weird that... Um, DeSalle was in charge of the Enterprise because I remember him from a previous episode with um oh what's his name the man that I hated it could be anybody Harry Mudd? doesn't matter no, <laughs> no it was <laughs> We're the grown him. man acting like a child who like it's a is a beginner introduction to Q later on oh on Trelane yeah Trelane. oh yeah LaSalle um, was in that episode DeSalle yeah. was he was there and I remember him being just an idiot. Um, but he's in charge of the Enterprise. And I literally have a note like, why is DeSalle in charge of the Enterprise? That seems so bizarre. And here's why. When Gene Roddenberry originally outlined the chain of command, Lieutenant Uhura was fourth in command. One of the reasons Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. convinced her to continue in the role, um, which she was considering quitting, uh, was that she thought it was, or he thought it was progress for a black woman to have such a prominent role at the time, although he was probably unaware that she was even going to be fourth in command. And in the original script, Lieutenant Uhura was to be in command when Kirk, Spock, and Scotty were all on any planet, but NBC was against having a female in charge of the Enterprise. Which will play into the final episode of the original series, by the way. The um, final episode. Yeah, because huh? they, they, he would always say, Mr. Sulu, you have the calm. And he'd never turn it over to Uhura. Yeah. And if she was for that, that, oh, I'm pissed now. Because, <laughs> because literally all of the, all of our main players are on the, on the cat's paw planet or whatever it's called. And so when they say DeSalle's in charge, I, oh, it's so funny how it stuck out to me. I was like, wow, he shouldn't, this guy. No shouldn't be in charge of and all that people would all make sense so another reason to absolutely hate this episode well let's just move on then because it's we're terrible we're just gonna move on i mud okay let's all right 
Look. Harry Mudd returns with a plot to take over the Enterprise by stranding the crew on a planet populated by androids under his command. Uh, okay, listen. I talk a Remember? lot of shit on this guy. Yes. I, but I have. this is the episode where I've taken the most notes. <laughs> oh, did you now, laddie buck? All right. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Anytime he says that, I want to strangle him. Remember, M stands for mud and also stands for misogyny. All right. Uh, he's getting he's in the man business now because he's he's got a he's creating his own Star Wars Clone Wars army, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. He's got a bajillion of them. Um the episode opens with a McCoy Spock bicker, which I always love. Um, always. I wish I could remember what they were bickering about, but whatever. Um, there's there's a, a, an android impersonating a new crew member on the ship. And nobody, nobody, what's so funny? Okay, the man's wearing a blue shirt, right? Which means he's in medical. And so for Bones to say, I don't know anything about this guy is insane. Because he would be the first person to get all of his records if he's transferring to medical. <laughs> Medical or sciences, which means Spock would also have his records. So yeah, so you guys, what's going on? You just mm -hmm. you just let this man aboard the Enterprise, um, and so he goes and you know he's doing whatever to engineering, and <laughs> Kirk is on the bridge, trying to get in touch with Scotty, and Scotty not responding because he's obviously in trouble, and Kirk's just like Scotty, Scotty, are you there, Scotty? And it's maybe after the first five minutes of Scotty not responding. Maybe something's wrong, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Or he's drunk again. You never know. Yeah, you never know. But still, if you don't get a response after five minutes, maybe go check on him. Yeah. Um, they get beamed down to the planet, which has an amazing set. I really loved the set of this episode. And our man, freaking Harry Mudd, is back with his chest hair out and his mustache twirled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of all oh. the characters to bring back and here and what's even more insane um the p oh piece of trivia i have for this stupid episode um according to walter caning nbc was considering making a harry mud spin-off show after the success of i mud um they assigned gene roddenberry to develop the idea but he didn't have time for it and this was the third uh uh, oh no! Let's see. There, there was a third season appearance for Harry Mudd planned, but yes. axed due to the producer's desire to move away from comedy episodes. Um, Which why I don't know, but but why? But, but what's uh, insane to me is people love this guy, and people oh, want more of this guy. He was a fan favorite. Uh, they not only were they lobbying to bring him back and bring him, give him a series, but they they did give him an episode in the animated series, which uh, he which, voiced, which he voiced, which was considered season four of star trek to the people creating it they they said yes it's the animated series but we're we're looking at it as fourth season of star trek just bonkers bonkers <laughs> um i do i do like I, okay, I don't like Harry Mudd. I respect Roger Carmel, though, because he gets monologue after monologue after monologue here oh and he you could tell he's just loving every minute of it just having a and great time he is he's he's into it and i respect i respect that roger i just so hate harry mud and the <laughs> fact that he has also taken it upon himself to make a replica of his wife which also sends the message of wives am i right those i know nag those nagging bitches <laughs> <laughs> well rodney dangerfield was making bank at the time making jokes about his wife so yeah, this this you know. was the era of oh, nagging wives, waka waka waka, which whatever. <laughs> um, there's there's a lot of visual humor in this episode, I think too. Like there's a moment where Kirk has he's disappointed in something. I wish I could remember specifically what it was, but you can see he's standing upright, and you can visibly see the disappointment, and his body shape changes, and it's such a good <laughs> moment from well, it's Shatner. It's because as you know, as as your parents may have said, you make my tired ache, and I think that's the way he. <laughs> That's the way he is when he sees Harry Mudd again. It's like, oh, not this guy again. Yeah, oh, it, Jesus oh, Christ. Oh, this is, ex you exhaust me, Harry Mudd, you know. But this, um, 
the the planet of the androids are also offering the humans everything they want and i on okay here's the thing i have talked about this many times if mm -hmm. i was offered immortality i would take it in a heartbeat and i wouldn't even ask a question um and that's what these androids are offering they are offering you know we can put the human brain into an android body you can live forever and uhura mm -hmm. is like yeah okay mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that that <laughs> that really blew me away. You know, looking. I mean, when I watched the original series when I was a kid, I didn't think about it. But knowing what I know about the character of Uhura now, it surprises me that she said that so quickly. Mm. That yeah. that doesn't that doesn't seem right for her character. Yeah, yeah, but the whole the whole time I'm like, yeah, girl, I get it. I would do it too. And they're they're offering the crew just everything they want. Check. Chekhov, the horniest member besides Kirk on the Enterprise. Oh, easily, he, yeah. He's talking to the women androids, and he's like, so he's asking without saying it, essentially, do you guys have vaginas or what? And <laughs> <laughs> See, this is, I think, the Fleshlight episode that you were talking yeah. about, but this is... <laughs> It was it was that scene from Robot Chicken where the guy in, is like created an android and one of the students is like, "Can you fuck it?" <laughs> <laughs> and that's what Chekhov is doing. He's like that's... dancing around the like. So you guys are like, just so, like women. You and and you look exactly the same as you and and so twins. I could they twins? Oh, I, like there's more of you. Like I don't mm -hmm. see a downside really. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, the M stands for misogyny. <laughs> uh, that Kirk calls the Enterprise a beautiful lady, and we love her uh, mm -hmm. as he's like trying to logic his way back to the Enterprise. One of the one of the men androids says, "We cannot allow any race as greedy and corruptible as yours to have free run of the galaxy." And he makes a point. To which I stood up and went, "Correct." Yeah. Correct. Yeah, he's right. He's right. <laughs> and then no lies then, detected, Mr. Robot. And then the episode goes off the rails, but in a fun way, right? Like they they I want to know how many times the crew rehearsed everything that they do for the rest of the episode because they're trying to <laughs> confuse the androids and outlogic them, right? So what they, they say things, but then they do the opposite. And the androids, they, they do what I do. Honestly, if I get too confused about something, I also just shut down. And... <laughs> <laughs> And well, that's and what this trying to do. And this is the, I think, second episode now where Kirk outsmarts computers. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Second and second episode Cause, in a run because where... Nomad was was the first one, and then there's this one. Oh yeah, and, and there's more second... to come. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what else are you gonna do out in space except try to outlogic robots? Yeah. But you know, like the previous episode, this presence is like hey we've got everything you need so if you just want to like hang out so we can learn more about you that would be pretty cool and harry Mo it reminds me a lot of the good place like when they actually do finally get to the good place where every oh. need they could possibly want is met how boring is that right <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's what it would be. Uh, you know, you would, as appealing as it would be immediately, uh, to, oh, immortal life, but oh, but I have to stay here. But I can have anything I want here, but yeah. still, I think, See, yeah. That, that is one of the caveats. It, okay, so I would have a few questions if I was offered immortality. My first question would be like, do I have the option to die at any time? Uh, my second question would be, can I go and do whatever I want? Because that's what I would like to do. Yeah. I would like, I would like immortality to just keep learning forever to keep learning and experience forever i think that would mm -hmm. be so cool mm -hmm. um but no if you're just stuck on a planet like we'll also see in the next episode uh <laughs> uh boring <laughs> and i get it harcourt harcourt <laughs> fenton mud you've uh, been drinking here's the thing that i noticed about uh, when they were well that when they were outwitting the computer <laughs> norman uh <laughs> uh they're these are trained actors. These are people who have studied, you know. <laughs> but clearly they haven't studied any pantomime because any time they were doing pantomime, it was terrible. Terrible Worst mime. improv work. troupe I have ever terrible. seen. <laughs> they clearly did not have improv classes as good as they do now back in the 60s. Suggestion. 
Yeah. <laughs> Del Close was, you know, where was he in, in the 60s? I want to know. Oh, uh, seriously. I, yeah. Uh, and, and also, what, a, what an American ending. Um, because they are like, we need to work. Work makes us happy. And that is you know, one of the driving forces for humans is they need to work to be happy and i was like this episode obviously written by capitalists and Americans. yeah clearly i yeah i don't <laughs> need to work to be happy i like your idea of just you know going out into the world and exploring and learning you know yeah put me but of course that surprise. that costs money unfortunately on planet yeah. earth jeepers creepers yeah. yeah um one thing i also really loved is when they are <laughs> killing air quotes scotty with their finger gun phasers the whistling noise that they make i loved that so much i thought that was very well done it didn't sound anything like that no but it, it was oh, oh now i'm building cool. up to explosion good heavens oh there we go <laughs> yeah they outlogic their way and then they also trap harry on this planet yeah, with with uh, how many copies of his of his ex wife? Five hundred minimum, because yeah, they show least. the necklace, and one of them's wearing one that says five hundred, and he's like, "Oh no!" <laughs> so I mud. Yeah, like I robot. Right. Do you get it? Oh, uh, that's what, oh, that's what it was. Okay. Before All right. we, before we go on, just a quick mm -hmm. plug for a little fun thing that we're going to be doing on the twelfth at Brewies. It is a geek show in conjunction with the Space Show show on the 12th of August at Brewies. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, which Ooh. Rebecca has not seen. And this is the director's cut of Wrath of Khan. Up on the big screen, glorious. Doors at 1130. The pod will start at noon, the geek show pod. And uh, the movie will start at 1. Pay what you want. And we will also have some more exclusive Geek Show merchandise for you. That is the 12th at Very Ruby's. excited about the merch. In Salt Lake City. All right. Next episode. Uh, Carrie, I also I haven't said anything about your hoodie. I like your, your Starfleet hoodie. This is, my, my, this is actually from Discovery. If you look at the logo, it's, uh -huh. it's, it's a Discovery logo. But I do like it so much because it's a Starfleet Academy on it. And that means <laughs> people look at it and they go, wow, how did he get into Starfleet Academy? As not because not anybody can just do it. <laughs> yeah, you got to have a recommendation, and I always say Captain Cisco recommended me. I bet that's a reference I'll get someday. Someday. <laughs> Next up on our list, Metamorphosis. While returning to the Enterprise aboard the shuttlecraft, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, and a seriously ill Federation diplomat find themselves kidnapped by an energized cloud. I love it when the bad guy is a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's easy to do. It's, you it's know. It's so easy. Um, so, the woman that they are transporting, uh, oh, I can't remember her name. It doesn't matter. She's just a woman. Am I right? Um, Worse, she's, a, she's an angry woman. Well, and she, the, our very first introduction to her is she's shit talking Starfleet. And I'm like, listen here, lady, I will not tolerate Starfleet slander. Yeah. But I do like your traveling outfit. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the nice thing on her and head. So yeah. they are brought again to a planet and they run into a man named Cochran and he has been by himself for a very long time. And so of course he sees a woman and he goes, A woman and no. she's beautiful. <laughs> like, shut up, man. Um and then uh we learn that he's Zephram Cochran, the inventor of the space warp drive. What a big deal. Oh, like yeah. This man that, went missing hundreds of years ago. And and then when they finally figure that out, they're like, they're statues of you. If it wasn't for you. Their school's named after you. Yeah. Like, we're here because of you, man. Um, but we learn he left Earth when he was 87. He's like, I am tired of, I'm old and tired and I would like to leave. I don't and want to be so, a celebrity anymore. I, yeah. It reminded me a lot. I, you probably never read this book, but there's a book called Old Man's War where mm -hmm. um, I, and I only read the first book, but I can barely remember it. But essentially, you know, when you get to a certain age, um, you've lived life and stuff, you can join the space war and they put you in a younger body, but you're like an old man in a young person's body and you're out fighting oh. the space war. Oh, okay. um, super interesting. But that was the same kind of like idea that I had because the, this evil cloud has taken care of him and made, kept him young and like he has want for nothing he needs for nothing um all of his needs are met by this cloud this cloud that loves him 
He and doesn't again, know. He doesn't know that the cloud loves him, though. Yeah, because when the rest of the crew talks to the cloud, the cloud is like, mm, what do you want? Get out of here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Cochrane is like, but I need people. I need something. I'm so lonely. And the cloud learns by the end of the episode, oh, loneliness does kind of suck, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And The man whatever. must continue. <laughs> <laughs> and Cochrane even says, believe me, Captain, immortality consists mainly of boredom, which... I believe, I believe. I totally believe well, I mean, if, if you are stuck if, in one place. And, and he is. See, he is. Because mm-hmm. if he leaves the planet, he will age like he normally does, and, and it would be over. And so that's probably why he wanted to leave the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, uh, the companion says, oh, the man is lonely, so I'll bring in some more people to make it so that he continues. Uh, <laughs> And then they they get this. Uh, it's a shoe polisher, a bottle of shoe polish or something that they <laughs> yeah, they managed they managed to <laughs> to turn into a universal translator, and uh, that's when they can communicate. And they find out well, the cloud is female, which I thought was was fascinating. He says, well, so did you specific? Did you put a female voice in that? And he goes, No, I didn't program it for any gender. I uh, oh, so it's a female voice. Well, well, well. And then that's when we find out that. The cloud is in love with Zephram Cochran and Cochran, which I thought so was mad. strange. He gets pissed. He gets so mad. Which I, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I get yeah. it, but it, I, I have a note that this is an interesting reaction for him to have, and it resonates somehow. I think the 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 closest reaction I could think of to like a present day problem is. A, a, a maybe like homophobic or bigoted man dating a trans woman and finding out that she's trans or he just assumes that when the when the cloud is enveloping him that the cloud is you know having sex with him and he feels violated yeah. so maybe he just yeah, assumes yeah. that right away i don't know but it did seem yeah. like a an odd odd that he got so angry so quickly yeah. yeah. Um, and I do. I love when they when they're talking to him earlier. They're like, "How do you communicate?" And he's essentially just like, "You're gonna have to trust me on this. <laughs> like, it just happens." <laughs> Oops. Sorry. Um, and then I did have a question about like, well, well, can can the cloud fix this lady? Because the late the diplomat, she because they're on their way to go have negotiations to like end a war or something, and um, she has a very rare disease that, and she is very ill, and they need to get back to like the Enterprise to treat her. Um, because they're like, well, why can't can the cloud just fix her? The cloud kept Cochrane um, young and vile for a long time, mm-hmm. um, virile, not vile. And, um, the cloud is like, no, sorry. <laughs> but, then, <laughs> but then the whole, the ending of this episode, here's the deal. I love a complicated yeah. ending. I, I, I love when things are, I, I love an unhappy ending and I love a complicated ending. Um, and this ending is messy because the cloud takes over the lady and she's like, I'm better now. And, um, well, I mean, here, turn of events. yeah, problematic in that Cochran and this woman just met, but just for some reason, met. some reason she's, uh, maybe it's the celebrity of Zephram Cochran. I don't know, but son, they are both suddenly into each other. Now Cochran has not seen women for years. I can understand him not being yeah. <laughs> necessarily particular, but, but her, Maybe it was just the celebrity of the fact that it was Zephram Cochran, but but she's anti Starfleet in a way. I you know, but it's, it's, she's okay with him. You know, and they they talked and they spent some time together, and then the cloud takes over her body, and she's essentially on her deathbed too. Yeah, she she's she is dying. There there's and, no way that she's not going to die, and. So the cloud decides to be human and Cochrane is like, okay, let's go. And she's like, oh, I can't leave this planet. This is where all my power is. And he's like, well, now that I have a physical woman, I guess I'll be okay here. And Spock is like, okay, but you two are just going to live normally now and die mm-hmm. and grow old, like grow old and die. And they're like, yeah, we're okay with that. And I'm like, but the diplomat? But the ambassador? Are we not? Th- what about the ambassador? Does it, is anyone now, considering her feelings? Now, allegedly, she said, I'm okay with this. I'm good with this. 
But do we know whether that was her or the companion? Do we know it was a free will? It seems kidnappy. It seems, yeah. It, 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 like I said, it, this ending is messy. Yeah. And I like a messy ending, but also at the same time, like, wow, are you serious? There's a moment where the companion in her human form holds up the the scarf that she was wearing and to look at Cochrane as she would see him in her cloud form. And I teared up. That was such a touching moment to include about how she's just looking through the scarf at him as she used to see him in her ethereal form. I don't know. I thought that was a really... Mm -hmm. touching and, moment and then Cochrane, as as spock and kirk and mccoy are beaming away said uh, oh by the way uh, captain could you not tell anybody that i'm here yeah pulling a complete nora desmond he wanted to be alone uh was it nora desmond that said that i want to be oh, alone oh, anyway not nora desmond it's uh i'll remember <laughs> but also as they're leaving um bones and spock are like okay so what are we going to do about like this war she was supposed to help end this war and kirk says the federation will find another woman who can stop that war what <laughs> yeah because that's what women do best i guess i <laughs> uh, uh, not much trivia to be found for this episode uh, this is the first story to feature Zephram Cochran, inventor of the warp drive technology mm -hmm. and an important figure in Federation history. Uh, and then he also, I guess he appears in First Contact in 96. I was, I was just going to tell you what the, the plot of First Contact is. Uh, the Borg assimilate Earth. The Enterprise figures out they need to go back in time to solve this. And they go back in time to days, weeks before Zephram Cochran flies his ship into orbit around the earth at warp drive which the vulcans happen to be passing by at this time notice and so they come and they investigate because they're you know the, the vulcans and the humans were the people who formed the federation and and that becomes part of first contact which is you know we we don't talk to a, a civilization until they attain warp drive so once the phoenix orbits and makes warp drive that's when the vulcans come down and go oh hello zephram cockman we are the vulcans First Contact Day. Intr oh, that, okay. Excited yeah. to watch that. Is that a good movie? It's really good. It's it's one okay. of the better Star Trek movies, and it's I, it's the next gen cast too. So yeah, because I know I know there's like <laughs> Star Trek movies that are bad, and I never know which ones are the bad ones. So mm -hmm. good. Okay, good to know. First Contact is one of and, the good ones. And the person who plays uh, Zephram Cochran in that movie is uh, Farmer Hoggett from uh, Babe. Um, James Why Cromwell. Can, James Cromwell. Thank you very much. You are welcome. All right. And then also to give an illusion of open space to a confined stage set, wide angle lenses were used. Um, although Glenn Corbett appears to be hundreds of yards away when he first runs towards the shuttle, he is much closer. Strategically placed rocks also allowed the camera to be very far away without seeing the edges of the set, blah, blah, blah. Just mm -hmm. some technical stuff I thought was kind of cool. Um, the last episode we're going to talk about today, Journey to Babel or Babel Babel. The Enterprise hosts a number of quarreling diplomats, including Spock's father, but someone on board has murder in mind. The, what's that guy's name, Tev? This is, uh, this is an Andorian uh, action figure. This, was, this is a, replic a replicant. This is not an actual part of the original Mego run. These were made <laughs> later because we never got an Andorian action figure in the, in the original Mego run. Uh, so I was very happy that we got an Andorian. So this is a, but this is a reproduction. I thought I'd let um, you see. See, evil, right. evil man. Um, evil man. I can't remember his name. Tev, Tevlar, Tev. Oh, it doesn't matter. Um, but we get Spock parents in this episode. Um, the the teaser part before the the um, theme song starts to play, um, when Kirk is like, "Hey, did you want to beam down to the planet so you can see your parents?" and Spock is like, "Well, actually, Captain," and tells them that Sarek <laughs> and his wife are his parents, and the look on Kirk's face is like. Are you serious? <laughs> like, he's so excited. And Kirk, this whole time, has just the best time watching Spock interact with his dad. Exactly. <laughs> he thinks it's so, so fascinating. 
see, when I was a kid and I first saw this episode, I knew it was going to be a good episode right from the beginning because you got those human moments from Kirk, Spock, and McCoy as mm-hmm. they're in their dress uniforms and, and McCoy's enough. bitching about it, you know, <laughs> dress uniforms and all these politicians and blah, blah, blah. Show me how to do that hand thing again, Spock. Mm-hmm. And, and he's like trying, and he's like doing like, like the rest of us, you know. Well, it took me some practice. But like the rest of us, you know, we had to do the, you know, you, you split it with your other hand and hold it up. Yeah. Go, oh, damn it, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then when and, and the one says, that they are my parents, I went, oh, this is going to be a good episode. I can tell oh, right away. Boy, and oh that's boy. when little Carrie settled in with a bowl of booberry and went, yes, let's go. <laughs> The uh, the costume budget on this episode is nuts because oh, yeah. you have so many other species on board the Enterprise. They you got a pig man, you got the Andorians, you got mm-hmm. the Vulcans, the, all uh, their the pig, fancy clothes. The pig people are Tellarites, and apparently they are also part of the founding members of the Federation, as are the Andorians, which is what oh. you'll find out. These these two species, which which is strange that the Tellarites would be part of the Federation because they're such an unruly people. You know, mm. it, 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 that's what always surprised me is that they were always fighting and unruly, but for some reason they're founding members of the Federation. And uh, there's a character that is a Tellarite uh, that will become a main member of the crew if you uh, watch that uh, Star Trek cartoon that just got canceled. Uh, Prodigy. Prodigy? Yeah. And uh, he's, he's a Tellarite who's also a mechanic. Uh, and his name, Jacob Pod is his name, I think. Hmm. Yes. Uh, but uh, so, so the Tellarites do have a history in, in Star Trek lore, as do Andorians, in, which you see in, in Star Trek Strange New Worlds. You see Andorians walking yeah, around. Yeah. And you see the occasional Tellarite walking around if you look closely. Like Uhura's mentor was an Andorian. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about this episode, I really, I loved every beat and everything that moved the story forward. But whatever the underlying conflict was, I never picked up on. Um, and I'm sure I have it written down somewhere. But like, <laughs> there, there was there was a race of aliens which we still don't know who they are. I don't think because they had one of their people disguised as Nandorian, and that's how he was able to get in. But yeah. it was, we believe it might have been Klingons or something. But uh, an alien race was trying to disrupt the peace conference. Because if we can get the members of the Federation infighting, blaming each other for you killed my friend, I, you know, you killed my friend kind of thing, the infighting would dissolve the Federation. And, you know, the, the togetherness of the Federation was a threat to this other alien race. And uh, my memory, I can't remember which other alien, it didn't matter to me because, you know, it, yeah, it, well, that's it all I needed okay. to know, you know. I, you know, I, I, even tried to read about it and I was like, I can't even be bothered. But I, every story beat I did really like because um, you have a few different layers of stuff happening here. You have Spock's strange relationship with his parents. Um, you know, you meet his human mother and learn more about his whole deal there. And um, Spock's dad has an illness and he needs a blood transfusion. But Rotro, there's not enough of mm-hmm. his blood on this ship, let alone it's a rare type. So only Spock could be a blood donor for him. And Spock's like, well, I'll do it. And McCoy's like, you'll die. Like, we will drain you of your blood. You will die. Um, but then also, you know, there's this underlying murder plot because Kirk gets almost assassinated. And I, I love that scene, that a random fight scene of him with the Andorian and he gets stabbed <laughs> and he's on the, he's on the intercom like, Hey, um, ooh, having a rough one. And I'm like, man, why don't you just lead with help? I've been stabbed because then somebody could get to you sooner. That, as I recall, there was a better setup scene to why Kirk and this fake Andorian get into a fight. When I was a kid, I recall that there was something mm. that was done that, you know, causes the fight or he starts the fight in this version that just cuts and suddenly they're fighting in a hallway for some reason. We don't know why. Yeah. It it felt really bizarre. Yeah. It made no sense to me. Because also the scene right before it, like they're all talking about operating on Sarek and McCoy the whole time. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then at the end, he's like, well, I've also, I've never operated on a Vulcan before. And I'm like, McCoy, you should lead with that, man. (laughs) (laughs) You should tell them that you've never operated on a Vulcan before. I see your heart right over here, as I recall. I read about it in a book. (laughs) No YouTube videos for Vulcan surgery? Uh, 
great moments in this episode, and that is, you know, we get more into Spock's character. We learn more mm-hmm. about him, the fact that he hasn't spoken to his father for years mm-hmm. because his father was disappointed that he that he just became a science officer in Starfleet. Dedicated his life to Starfleet. Yeah. Exactly. Rather than going to the Vulcan Science Academy and becoming a professor or some shit like that. So there was that aspect, which was great. There was a lot of great Kirk and Spock's mom two humans joking yeah. about Vulcans back and forth, you know. Well, uh, and I, I had read a thing moments. that was like, um, they thought it was w- the, I can't remember specifically who, but they thought it was weird that Kirk uh, would, that Kirk and the mom would have so many scenes together and, and mm-hmm. have such deep conversations. They thought it was weird. Um, but I don't think so, because there were well, two humans. It- yeah. yeah, they kept it in to help establish that more. And I honestly, like, that's what that's what I would be Kirk well, in that situation. I would definitely be trying to talk to Spock's mom. They definitely each have something in common in that they both have Vulcans in their lives that they love. So mm-hmm. naturally, they're going to be a bond there. And the yeah. fact that it's father and son makes it even the stronger bond. Of course, they're going to hit it off right away and talk talk shit about each other's Vulcans, you know? <laughs> well, and it's like that. Oh, who's that comedian who made that joke? Who's like, I love um, meeting people's moms. Oh, what show is that from? I love meeting people's moms because it's like, uh, it's like an, an instruction manual as to why they're crazy or something like that. Oh, I like that. Dang, what show is that from? Love me. I'll figure but, it out. Whatever. But then there, another, the other great moment in this, and there's so many great moments in this episode. For me though, is the fact that, uh, uh, when when Kirk is down, Spock's in charge. That's Starfleet. That's just mm-hmm. the command protocol. So Kirk has to convince Spock that even though there's a mysterious ship out there causing problems and we may have spies on board, you've got to go on. And I was just stabbed. Maybe I'm okay. <laughs> and it's sparkly bandage. Don't forget his, ba- his bandage, bandage is so sparkly. Listen, I was just stabbed, but it's okay. I'll be fine. You've got to go under. To save your father's life. Mm-hmm. And then that's just the way it is. Spock was ready to not save his father's life because mm-hmm. command protocol said the captain is down. I am in charge. There's nothing I can, this is what I have to do. So there was that aspect of Spock's character that we got to learn more about, which was, again, just there's so many great moments in this episode. It's, it is definitely, for me, top 10. Yeah, uh, it's it's a really good episode. And McCoy, I think, really shines in this episode. He gets a lot of great lines um, because, you know, they Kirk fakes it till he makes it and takes control of, of the ship to fight off whatever ship is coming <laughs> at him. Um, and what? after the battle, because McCoy's doing the surgery, right? And so after, he goes up to Kirk and he's like, are you quite through shaking the ship around? <laughs> oh, they're well, Orions. They're Orions. The Orions. That's it. Thank you. I knew we'd yeah. get there. Yeah, the Orions <laughs> yeah. don't want the, they don't want peace in the Federation yeah, because yeah, they're yeah, pirates yeah. and all of business. that. business. Yeah. Yeah, because this is before this is before they become scientists. Yes. And, uh, yeah, they're Orions. It's a, it's such a. There's also another great moment where Kirk is is on the bridge trying to fool Spock and saying, "Look, I'm just fine. I'm just I'm fine." Fine. <laughs> and and Spock keeps turning around, and every time Spock turns around to double check and to make sure he's okay, Kirk will do something like, "Bring me that fuel report or some shit." I you know and <laughs> start going off. And then the second that the doors go and close, he oh god, oh god. <laughs> I got stabbed by an Andorian. Oh, God. I don't know if you guys know this, but I got stabbed. Like liquid just right out of his captain's chair. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, everything works out fine. The surgery Mm -hmm. turns out great. And Spock and his father... uh, rekindle their their relationship and the cats in the cradle oh. and the silver spoon and again they have this boy blue and the man <laughs> the moon <laughs> they have that great moment where they're both in six bay, sick bay and and spock's mom is yelling at both of them you know for being mm-hmm. pig-headed and and spock just kind of looks at his dad and goes like yeah, is she like this a lot he goes yeah yeah that's just kind of the way it is you know marry a human yeah <laughs> oh wow. i know that is the i know i have is like i wow i sure hate that the father and son are ganging up on their human wife mother <laughs> exactly <laughs> but a great moment between those two and mm-hmm. and uh and still emotional even though there's no emotion uh, and and the ending of this episode mccoy 
smiling, this dumb look on his face. I finally got the last word. And the episode ends. (laughs) (laughs) So would this be an episode that you'd recommend for someone's first? Um, I think it might be, because I know we've talked about this throughout this whole series. This might be a good one for the first episode. Yeah, it. I think so. I think so because it kind of highlights everybody's characteristics in a really mm-hmm. good way. You learn the characteristics. You learn about the policies and the politics mm-hmm. of the Federation. You get some action in there. You get some fighting. You get and, some of Spock's history in there, yeah. and you know why he's here instead of on Vulcan. So put a pin yeah. in this episode. I think that we need to determine what the best first episode would be for somebody. This one okay. might just right now at this moment, this very second, I feel that this is a good one. <laughs> this is a good one to start people yeah. with. Yeah. So some trivia for Journey to Babel. Jane Wyatt, um, Spock's mother, was not familiar with the series and had assumed it was a comedy. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> on her first day of work, she saw that the cast and crew took the show very seriously. Um Although they play father and son, Mark Leonard was 42 years old at the time and Leonard Nimoy was 36. Uh, (laughs) Mark Leonard was also one of the uh, people who they had on tap to recast as Spock if the contract negotiations didn't work out Mm -hmm. with Nimoy. And in the first episode to feature Spock's parents, um, Mark Leonard and Jane Wyatt asked Leonard Nimoy for advice on how the two of them should display their affection for one another in a subtle way since Vulcans suppressed their emotion. Since it was Nimoy who had devised the Vulcan neck pinch and the Vulcan salute, he suggested that they touch and stroke each other's hand by the index and middle finger, which I Mm -hmm. thought was actually extremely tender Mm -hmm. and really cute to see them do that. Now that will come into play in Star Trek Three. You'll see that again. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's see, what was I going to say also about uh, uh, Mark Leonard? He, he return, Mark Leonard returns, he plays Klingons, he plays all kinds yeah. of characters throughout the entire series. And he'll be back as Spock's dad quite often uh, because he was such a fan favorite. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, this is just such a good episode. Yeah, I was really, like I said, the underlying plot, I couldn't even be bothered. But all of the like subplots that kept the story going, I was super fascinated by it. And, um, yeah, a very, very good episode to end mm-hmm. this week's The Space Show show on. Indeed. So uh, thank you for joining us and tune in next week as we continue going where no one's ever gone before, but a lot of people have gone before. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>